Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining me right now on the program is the editorial director of digital media and industrial media, which uh, produces publications such as Industrial Equipment News, which has been around since 1933, and uh, among other sites. But what we're going to talk more about is his area where the website he is an editor-in-chief of, Cannabis Equipment News. He hosts their weekly podcast, and he's an editor-in-chief of CannabisEquipmentNews.com. I'm here with David Manti. David, thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me today. So much like the programs I host, Blunt Business and Grassroots Marketing, and we kind of talk about very much the same areas of issues, but I wanted to get your take on what you've been talking about and who you've been talking with. If I when we looked on through the list in the catalog of how people you've hosted on the program yourself, I see a lot of familiar names on my end here that we've definitely mm-hmm. talked to here. Uh, I see Marianne, Maria Thassan and Kim Sanchez-Rael and all these others. just in the last few weeks I see right now. And there's been a lot of various issues that you look at as well. When it comes to AI and the MasterCard issue, so really, let me go and take you first of all with the podcast itself, because I know what my approach is. I'm always, I like to go ahead and take the experts I have the opportunity to speak with on the program and have them speak on various current issues. Or there's shows that are obviously always that go to the background and lead into shop talk. What would be the best way that you would describe on how the Cannabis Equipment News podcast is presented and what you like to go ahead and get the most out of those guests? I guess uh, we're definitely more of the background and then lead into shop talk. Um, You know, I really like to get to know a little bit more about our guests, uh, how they came to the cannabis industry. I always find it particularly interesting, their personal journey, Uh, just because cannabis industry, it's so new. And, um, you know, a lot of people find themselves in this industry and they never would have envisioned it being a spot for them, you know, short-term, let alone a long-term career. So I get into the background a little bit. Then we talk about how they're impacting the industry. Um, You know, you talked about uh, Marion with Simplify. We talk about how they're revolutionizing compliance in the industry. Um, I've talked to the people at Sorting Robotics uh, and Notel Partansky, how he's taking it. We just had him on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great, that's a very interesting story of a man with a NASA engineering background taking that expertise and kind of bringing next level engineering to a cannabis industry that, you know, has a different focus up until now. I think that uh, we're kind of raising the bar when it comes to equipment manufacturing in the industry. One of the areas you've been talking about, actually, in particular, when you talked about Notel, is you did a QA with him and you talked about how 
he now has a new robot, the Gigo Plus Donut Maker. We actually talked about it on our grassroots marketing series. And the idea is that being able to go and generate 800 donut style infused pre-rolls per hour and bringing labor costs down from $5 a joint to 10 cents a joint. Yeah. And there was a lot of areas we talked about when it comes to, first of all, the production of pre-rolls, the areas mm-hmm. of, I've had guests on that talked about the kind of the, the using the pre-rolls as more of a sampler as kind of the Costco model they had talked about on being able to go ahead and get more people to go ahead and experience and try out flour when they're at a dispensary just to get the feel of what they're having out there because various dispensaries, various products, that kind of idea. Things that help kind of create more engagement to the dispensary experience. Uh, for any of that, what would you say that you look at when it comes to what AI can done, what AI can do now, production that we can have, and what can be offered now to enhance the experience and allow more products to be noticed? Well, uh, there's a split there. AI is different from automation. I think automation is going to play a huge role in the industry when it comes to consistency of product. Right. Um, just because uh, brand integrity is something that is incredibly important. And it's incredibly important, particularly when we have a state, you know, independent states operating um, where you can't share product across state lines. So you need to make sure that your standard operating procedures, you need to make sure that uh, your production lines are running identically state to state. So that way your brand integrity holds up in various markets. You know, you can't make everything in California yet and send it everywhere. So that way everyone's getting the exact same pre-roll across the nation and uh, automation particularly what uh, Natal is doing, uh, you raise some incredible figures going from $5 to 10 cents per pre-roll. I mean, that ROI kind of just speaks for itself. And you're also talking about taking something that was typically done by hand, automating it so that way you have a more consistent experience um, for the user uh, or for the consumer. When you talk about AI, there's a lot of crazy stuff that could happen out there in terms of how people could use um, generative AI, not just in marketing in terms of cannabis, but in terms of like actually crop steering and, you know, how they could change things from a best practices standpoint, from a cultivation, uh, when it comes to cultivation. But AI also stands to make a really big impact when it comes to compliance, documentation. Now, one of the areas I look at with AI is that when we're looking at, see, I know when when the in that down that rabbit hole talking about where if using the technology to help produce mass produce more to create more of an experience for dispensaries, the same same thing I also look at when it comes to AI. I'm always thinking about just brainstorming. All right, with every bit of AI that's brought into the space, whether it's through you know software as a service or it's it's put in through whatever kind of cultivation software there is out there. I always try to think about the human component and about mm-hmm. with every business, every industry right now, you know, you're looking at if automation comes into play, how many jobs are taken out of that or how many jobs will be replaced with those that need to go ahead and implement that technology. When you look at some of the people that you've had on your podcast, what is one of the things they've said about when it comes to AI, when it comes to streamlining the manufacturing process and streamlining the supply chain process. Right. When it comes to automation, and we've seen this, I have a deep background in um, the manufacturing industry. Automation doesn't replace jobs. Automation creates new jobs. And uh, I know that that seems kind of like just a talking point to make people 
less fearful of automation, but it's really proven true in a number of industries. And I think when you look at labor shortages, um, particularly in um, the cannabis industry, automation is something where you can find good people working on the line, working in various parts of your business and really help prop them up into new roles um, that stand to make a bigger impact on your bottom line. Automation is something where, you know, there are a lot of good people uh, hand rolling. There are a lot of good people doing other tasks, trimming uh, that could be automated to some extent, to some extent, depending on, you know, sort of your secret recipe or how you uh, how you do business, go to market. Um, and I think automation really serves to open up people to new roles within the company and kind of help alleviate that labor struggle that we're going through right now. When I can talk about AI as well, um, AI creating new jobs, um, that's a whole new rabbit hole that we are kind of just scratching the surface on, right? Like AI, those are the roles where you're going to be looking for AI prompters, right? The people that can ask the right questions, give the correct instructions to make sure that the AI spits out what you're looking for, right? Those are going to be your high value targets. And one of the craziest things that I can think of when it comes to AI is, I think the I think the uh, the beer maker was Kemp's, right? Did you see the experiment where they did everything from AI made the recipe as to uh, how to brew the beer all the no, way through marketing? I, I didn't get just to say that, no. So I think there is, you know, and it was a gimmick. It was a gimmick. I could definitely see that right. translating to the cannabis industry where you give the AI the prompts like, this is where I'm growing. This is how I'm growing. What should I grow? How should I grow it? Then all the way through the process to how I should market it and who I should market it to. Even to, Kemp's even had AI write the marketing copy for social media, the script for commercials, uh, and I could see that being not just a gimmick. I mean, a gimmick in the immediate future for the cannabis industry, but an actual tool that could be used in the industry going forward, maybe not so long-term as we think. The other thing I also talk about when it comes to manufacturing in the area, and I'm not sure what areas kind of fall into what you would talk about on the podcast in particular places, but I know for blunt business and grassroots marketing. We talk about social equity. We talk a lot about compliance, loads of compliance and various issues. The one thing I always keep hearing about is where people might have various ways to tag or, you know, identify with whatever compliance practices you have. But one of the areas that we've heard a lot about that people might be kind of kind of budging against or kind of pushing back against is the idea of instituting good manufacturing practices, GMPs. Mm -hmm. When you talk to the people that you've had on and just the information, what's the overall feeling if we were to go ahead and convert into instilling good manufacturing practices across the board? Yeah. The, the short answer is you have to. As right. this industry grows, further legitimizes, GMP is the most important thing to operators. Excuse me for a second. Um, particularly as we see, um, you know, federal legalization, there will be an increase in regular, uh, regulation and scrutiny. Good manufacturing pro uh, practices is at the heart of that. And I mean, are we going to see it to the extent of the pharmaceutical industry? I'm not certain, 
but that seems likely. And you uh, looking at the operators um, and the manufacturers that help you have GMP in your facility is only setting you on the best course going forward. And honestly, I understand people push back because, you know, there's a cost there, right? But if you are looking, if you're looking into the future, you need GMP. If, if, if you kind of push back against it, it just seems very short-sighted to me. Um, whereas if you're setting your business up for the future, um, you need to have good manufacturing practices in place. Agreed. And then part of that too, is that it's the cost quotient everybody's kind of worried about. They're mm -hmm. so concerned with the fact of the extra paperwork, the extra testing standards that are going to be put in place. But I mean, have you had anybody really that you've you talked to either through interviews through that are written or on podcasts where people have kind of been hesitant to go that far and, and to realize it's what we're doing to be more proactive in the industry, but some people might want to stall on those plans until they're actually need to be implemented. And people can just kind of live with whatever the bare minimum that the compliance boards of various States have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, talk to people about that all the time. And I mean, I understand, but we also have to, under, you have to realize that as you're preparing your business for the future, um, kind of being at the top of the line when it comes to compliance and testing standards, as regulation continues to evolve, you need to be ready for that switch. If you're pushing back on it, you're just going to be further behind the eight ball when those uh, changes happen. And I mean, I understand it. Compliance software is expensive, right? And it is sometimes hard to calculate the ROI when it comes down to, um, all right, managing all of this compliance with one person using a software tool and kind of doing that math to make it make sense. But, you know, uh, I just had, we had referenced the conversation with Marion earlier. Um, some of the work that he's doing with the, I believe it's the Risk Mitigation Alliance, where, you know, insurance companies that work with cannabis operators understand that there is an inherent risk with operators that are out of compliance. So they're working to actually give breaks on Simplify a software just because they know it's best practices for an operator to have it, knowing that they'll remain in compliance. And so they kind of work on, okay, if we insure you and you use the software, we'll give you a break on the software because we know that everyone's kind of moving forward and benefiting. Um, and when it comes to testing, uh, I do think that there's still a bit of a wild west out there in terms of people that you know, there are labs out there that will um, fudge the numbers, if you will. But again, short-sighted game plan. Uh, and I think that people that cheat the system uh, will eventually fall along the wayside. And I understand that testing is very expensive. Um, and we're going to need to get to a different scale in order for testing to be uh, a little bit easier on people um, and you know, and I also think that regulators are looking at some of the very onerous uh, testing uh, standards that they've put in place, and they're kind of dialing it back a little bit in terms of how often you need to test and at what phase, uh, what phase of the process you need to test. Um, so I think there's, I think there's progress there as well. I think that if you're the operator that just pushes back and says like, "I'm not doing it till I have to," and I'm only going to do what I have to, I mean, really, you're just kind of. Uh, setting yourself up for failure. Stay tuned. I have more with David Manti coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. 
Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm back here on Plump Business with David Manti, co-host of the Today in Manufacturing podcast and editor-in-chief at Cannabis Equipment News and the Cannabis Equipment News podcast. And you can learn more about all that at CannabisEquipmentNews.com. One of the other areas that I always look at, which of course might not necessarily be tied to manufacturing, but I just think in the process of trying to go ahead and create, you know, keep supply and demand running smoothly, making as much money as you can, revenue, whether it's publicly traded, whether it's just Per, privately one of the other areas i've talked about a lot on our programming is the illicit market and you know when we talk about social equity the conversation of legacy operators mm-hmm. not just for them to go ahead and have licenses to be able to go and operate and cultivate what i'm talking about also is to incorporate legacy operators into the mix of people in management of these various mm-hmm. companies why does it always have to be people picked out from the fortune 500 to come into the cannabis space to lead a team why aren't there people from the legacy space that can take away from the illicit market and take some of those funds that are being put with every state. What is it about? At least half of sales yeah. are still illicit anyway. Where's the, I mean, the part of it is okay. There's the cost that you're already putting right now in terms of being compliant and being extra compliant. But then there's the part where you can make that money back that you're investing by curbing the illicit market, by taking the things that the illicit market has and pulling it away. Part of it is, I think, taking some of those legacy operators that people have always relied on that are going to go right, they can reform, they can go make their way into the process, show they're going to be right, what, what they're going to be doing, bring them in. I mean, it yeah. should be that way, but what do you? has there been any talk about you know where that needs to be addressed? If you want the illicit market addressed, I think it's one of the areas you cut. I think that pulling legacy operators out of the black market is a very interesting strategy just in terms of like almost doing away with the black market via brain drain. And um, I think that the simple fact is that it's simply too lucrative. I mean, if you want to pull legacy operators out of the black market, the money's got to be right. And the opportunity has to be right. Some companies have done it, particularly on the cultivation side. Um, You've seen legacy cultivators um, come into larger MSOs, And, you know, every once in a while, there is some sort of 
butting of heads just because legacy operators have their way of always doing it. That's always worked. And right. uh, merging that with more of a corporate style, you know, that can cause some friction. Um, but I mean, uh, there's definitely an opportunity there to find more talents. But until regulators crack down on the black market more, it's really it's not on operators to pull talent from the black market. It is on regulators to put a tighter strain on the black market um, to make it so that people have to move into the more legitimate side of the business. Or, you know, I mean, we've heard of plenty of legacy operators finding licenses, finding opportunities, but how difficult it is just in terms of like a legacy business acumen versus, um, you know, moving into more of a mainstream business. It's, it's difficult. It's a difficult learning curve. And so to that, I understand why sometimes these MSOs are pulling more from a fortune 500 pedigree just because they think, Hey, this is a business guy who knows how to run the business. Right. But we've also seen a lot that like, Hey, this business guy knows how to run a business, but he doesn't know how to run a cannabis business. What I'm saying is a radical approach. There's no doubt yeah. about it, but I mean, if it's something where you feel like, I mean, listen, you want to have corporate oversight for one, you or you're going to expand from state to state, but California, New York, there, you know, you can have law enforcement, you can have compliance boards all across the board try to go ahead and crack down on these control boards, try to crack down all the illicit markets. But look, you're not going to stop the influx of people in New York, New York City, with ten thousand different, you know, vehicles or whatever, or shops that are opening up that have had to go and crack down. Or, mm -hmm. you know, the amongst the thousands and thousands of plants that have to go and be seized or burnt or destroyed or whatever because of illicit operators that are growing and selling and distributing. And there's nobody stopping it. There's only so much that can be done. Then bring I them mean, into the family. That's what I said. Oh, I, I like that approach. I like that approach. And I, I mean, there's only so much that can be done in the moment. But in over time, a lot can be done. And that's why I think you see a lot of that happening in the New York market, just because. You know, it's like the New York cannabis industry is open for business, but the regulated cannabis industry can't stop tripping over its own feet. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think over time, though, you will see a course correction and you will see more of those legacy operators in New York translating to more of the legitimate side of the uh, or the uh, legal side of the business. Um, I, I don't know. I do. I do like the radical approach of I mean, it is smart for cannabis operators if they're looking for talent to go looking in all the places that talent exists. But I mean, I don't know that you throw an Indeed ad up there and you're just like, hey, looking for cannabis cultivator from illicit space. I would love to see the resumes come in personally. Now, what are the areas of also talking about? Is that I'm I'm appreciate the fact that you know with cannabis equipment news, you're not having to go and deal with things where, you know, the issues of all the different, you know, there's always things that happen when it comes to um, where people might say that something is being affected for the brands that are being produced, to the actual facilities where people are, you know, there have been issues that, you know, all these different publications like the Atlantic or Politico like to go and take a tax on the cannabis industry on a regular basis, uh. I appreciate the fact that, that that's something that doesn't have to happen with publications like yours because media across the board of me, you know, if I look at anything that's more mainstream or more widespread or more widely available, that might not be as niche, you know, it's kind of hard to go and break through all that cloud of misinformation. I'm going to say, because on those, in those cases, you people that are not in the industry, but they decide to go and continue to attack, continue to use reefer madness or some stoner stereotype as their, reason for continuing to go and try to keep the industry down, but yet that kind of coverage 
continues to make policymakers hesitant to sign bills that are bipartisan, put in the Congress right now, that could give us a safe banking act, that could give us legalization. What do you think about all that? I mean, you see those headlines in more traditional mainstream media just because, I mean, of the original newspaper adage, I mean, if it bleeds, it leads, right? All of these, a lot of these traditional media companies are paid per click. You know, they're dependent on ad sales. These, a lot of these writers are compensated based on the performance of their articles from clicks, time spent on page, um, a bunch, a host of different metrics. So when you look at Joe Reader and Reader is going, Joe Reader is going to always click on how the like the uh, mayhem of the cannabis industry versus, you know what? They're actually doing a lot of things right. That math makes sense to me from mainstream media. But Cannabis Equipment News was born on being a trade publication. So we are a business to business publication that our job is to write stories and cover news in the cannabis industry that helps cannabis operators do their job better on a day to day basis. We look at the questions that cannabis operators are asking. We go to our sources within the industry, ask those questions, and create podcasts, articles, news, and other videos. You know, to bring that information to the market. It's uh, you know, it's more of a symbiotic relationship. Uh, trade publications are more of a symbiotic relationship than the uh, parasitic relationship that you sometimes find in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. It's all it, the issues about trying to go and attack companies' reputations, scandalize them, put them across the board. I mean, it's it's those kind of things that it's another struggle to de- keep with all trying to keep this industry where it's it's showing us above ground, but it's always like from the outside. If you're not in the industry itself, it's it's you know we're constantly targeted. We 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 are basically just a big dart board that are just getting darts thrown at us on a regular basis. So yeah, and I mean things. it's. It's, yeah. it's really that there's a lack of context, right? Um, just because it is a nascent manufacturing industry that makes all the traditional um, mistakes that you see in a nascent manufacturing industry. There are safety issues. There's issues with new equipments, compliance, cleaning, um, all of these issues that happen everywhere else every day. But yeah. when they happen in the cannabis industry, oh, watch out because, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, and, and then it's news. So it's, you know, we cover those as well, but we cover those, um, incidents from a different angle where it's like, this is what happened. This is where the operator fell out of compliance. You know, maybe it was just a simple metric tra- tagging incident. Maybe there was some actual nefarious things where, you know, uh, we just ran, um, a story where they found like an entire second level in the building where, you know, maybe some black market product was being introduced to the, um, operation. So, I don't know. It's uh, one thing I like about the industry is that it's very collaborative. It's very insightful. And it seems like for better, um, for better and never for worse, that uh, people are truly working together to make this industry succeed. Yeah. It's all these obstacles. And honestly, that's the blunt business program I host. It's been like that ever since I've been doing it since 2018. I have to just talk about that. We're just, it's constant barriers, obstacles, and all these things that are just, we're, you know, we're not all can trust. Okay. Stop it. Like everybody wants to go and create the next can trust and say, well, look, they did this and that, you know, like completely destroying a company and having to go and make them change your name. to the point of and things like that. But, uh, you know, but there's always this plus the other things that are always kind of just setbacks. 
mm-hmm. for every company that's out there. One of the areas you've talked about and been reporting on is the MasterCard issue, which yeah. if we haven't talked about that yet, I want to take from a story from uh, CannabisEquipmentNews.com, the fact that you know MasterCard has decided to ban the purchase of cannabis products using its debit cards, which is going to create widespread financial safety impacts on an already struggling industry. And when we see that right there, there are other we already know there's been enough issues when it comes to banking and processing right now, or just getting loans or, you know, being able to go ahead and investments or just getting loans right now. And who's available to go and do that, or who's helping specifically the cannabis industry to help make that possible. There's those areas now too. When you look at that part from what people, people already had in the last month to go ahead and talk about this so far, what is it so far you've gotten gotten so far that has been talked about among guests or people that you've had in reporting about, you know, who takes the place of MasterCard? Are there other credit card processes already ready to come into play? Is there is there enough room? Because, I mean, I know yeah, there's a company right now that sponsors with us a program called Freedom to Buy, and they're, you know, setting up a credit card and the same kind of distribution network to be able to do pro- credit card processing, probably the right time for them to come in because MasterCard doesn't want to do that. I mean, is it more just MasterCard did it because it's just the industry is more of a, a fringe that they don't want to be a part of, or was there something more to it? I think companies like MasterCard, major HR companies, um, major banking institutions, they see a federally illegal industry and they fear how that could have far reaching impacts on their business. So they don't want to touch it. Um, one thing that I will say about this industry is that Whenever these obstacles come into play, they do cause very problematic. Um, inst- they're a problem for operators in the short term, but this industry has proven time and again its ability to innovate when its back is against the wall. Um, I look at, I recently um, interviewed uh, Sunday Seafried with Safe Harbor Financial. Yeah. And um, that is an incredible story of. Um, one person who saw an opportunity based out of a Colorado credit union, saw an opportunity for cannabis operators and saw how they were doing business. You know, there's a, um, one of the first operators she spoke with at night would go to various ATMs to deposit less than $9,000 cash in each individual ATM. So that way it wasn't flagged. And, you know, she, so she saw a real opportunity where, um, you know, she went to regulators and said, Hey, here's what I'm looking to do. How do I do it? Right. And, uh, you know, she basically created the template for successful cannabis banking. Mm -hmm. Um, and while that doesn't exist for a MasterCard replacement right now, perfectly, um, I do feel like there will be a stopgap until whatever federal legalization, uh, you know, kind of changes MasterCard's mind. Um, one thing that I will say, though, is while there is that innovation, there is also the opportunity for nefarious players to kind of come in into play. And so you really have to make sure that you're vetting these new solutions, make sure that they've been around a little bit, talk to previous, you know, um, just do your due diligence when you're signing on with um, these companies to make sure that it's kind of not one of those fly by night companies that might be taking advantage and might disappear. You know, I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen that even on the equipment side of business, like uh, all of a sudden the company is making this like multi-million dollar equipment and then they just go under and then there's no one to service it. There's no one to maintenance it. Uh, and you're kind of just left holding the bag with uh, 
machine that isn't working and parts that nobody makes anymore. So yeah. um, I don't know. I think the MasterCard issue was uh, a big blow to the industry, one that they've, you know, kind of continue continue to roll with the punches. And right. uh, but I mean, it also just reinforces that cash is kick uh, in this business that cash is king. We're going to come back with final questions with David Manti after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back. I'm here with David Manti, Cannabis Equipment News, CannabisEquipmentNews.com. I want to ask you one last question. This is one of those ongoing, and I'm sure every guest you have on the Cannabis Equipment News podcast will probably talk about this as well. It, we always got to talk about, oh, well, you know, you know we're always the hopeful, what is the... Uh, uh, cautiously optimistic. Oh, God, I hate that phrase, but it's one of those things we talk about legalization. So with the oh, policymakers, they're talking to us. You know, we're getting some attraction with them. Hey, you know, look at Sh Governor Senator Schumer, Wyden Booker. They all have that triumvirate together. They're trying to go and get things pushed across. They try to get the safe banking act through the NDAA. Oh, they're trying to put things in there. You know, the efforts there. Thank you so much. Clap your hands for Congress for at least making some effort. But until yeah. that, if they couldn't get anything done by kind of putting it underneath other bills or other le other packages or other le legislation, then I say to myself over and over, three to five years before we even hear anything about policymakers, putting a bill to the floor for legalization nationwide. Is that the same sentiment that your guests and yourself, do you feel like that's the same way? Or do you still feel cautiously optimistic that maybe the presidential candidates we have right now, of any of them, will actually do something to push forward or Congress, if they make another switch around with the change of the House and the Senate, might actually reconsider putting this back on the floor. I got to say, like the current brain trust that we have in place has been good at doing one thing, and that's doing just enough to have a successful press release that's picked up and then it goes nowhere and then it goes nowhere. Yeah. Um I don't know. I am not cautiously optimistic. Uh, I was at the beginning of Biden's term. I was just yeah. like, here we go. Green light, baby. And uh, I was I, you know, um, I guess I drank the Kool-Aid a little bit and I uh, I let myself um, become a little bit. Um, I kind of lost sight of what might have actually happened politically. And then, you know, I wound up being disappointed as a result during this next election cycle, other than maybe if Biden sees himself or whoever is the uh, Democratic candidate um, sees themselves uh, polling um poorly it might be one of those levers that they finally try to push in terms of generating a little bit more support but it seems like that's the lever that they kind of tease right at the end you know where they're just trying to like uh fill a few more buses to but they don't um, want to ever say let's pass it legalized they always want to say we want to decriminalize instead and yeah. that's what other oh, yeah. democratic you know senatorial house representative candidates would have said before but it's like okay that's the harder thing to push out there but legalization yeah. you could do and yeah. uh, I'm just going to say it like this. Why is it I'm hearing Bobby Kennedy Jr. and Vivek Ranjaswamy? They're the ones that are supporting marijuana legalization. Why is it yeah. them? I would have thought it would have been an easy push in. Listen, you know, if Governor Cuomo didn't have his scandal, I think he would have still been governor right now because he got that passed. And I, I mean, think Biden could have gotten a lot of brownie points if he would have gone along with his own constituency. Schumer, yeah. Wyden. I mean, I mean, there was and bipartisan effort because Elizabeth Warren also puts part into the States Act that she put along with Cory Gardner, they have bipartisan support. Not even a question of that. Let's go. Yeah, I, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me either. I mean, I am based I mean, it does because of the lobbying effort. I'm going to say like this. Oh, yeah. You know how much oh, lobbying yeah, yeah. money's put out. And I remember when I interviewed 
every one of these new lobbying firms or these new lobbying organizations, um, the CSCR, the U.S. Cannabis Council, and I'm like, NCIA, we've already been a long relationship with them. I'm like, okay, but thank you for talking to these people, but you know what? You're not paying the money. Yeah. Like big farmers yeah. paying three to four times more money, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, excuse me, and even cannabis with the help of tobacco and alcohol can't get across the finish line. Then what yeah. else are you going to do? There, there's not enough money, and that tells you everything, that they mm-hmm. are servants of the same master. They're not doing anything because they're not getting paid for it. There's nothing in it for them. I mean, uh, I was going to say that I'm based in Madison, Wisconsin, so I'm still in a completely prohibited state, and we're surrounded by states with forms of legalization. So we've seen every form of the political theater that can go back and forth, and it is frustrating because it's the same thing. It's just uh, it's a talking point uh, to gain a little bit of interest here and there, but uh and the reason that you see that from some of the fringe candidates is because they're fringe candidates, right? Right. I mean, uh, you see the photo that they post with the upcoming GOP debates, and there's like 10 people on there, and you're like, not really certain who eight of these guys are. But, uh, you know, so they got to stand out amongst the crowd. And you know, the problem um, is you're going to see that. I don't want to say it like this, but it's just true. If you're watching, well, where's Trump? <laughs> yeah. They're going to say, these people aren't Trump. It's like, because people are going to be too closed-minded they're not paying attention to the media they're just gonna say oh well he's not on there like you know what do you mean these other people they're not gonna go anywhere they already yeah. know because they know it man so no it's, it's uh, agreed and i just uh it's it's been very frustrating it's been very frustrating yeah. particularly i you know madison is very close to the illinois border um we have a senator here senator agard who does a very good job of speaking out about how every time she goes to visit the dispensary just across the border in Illinois, nine out of nine cars out of 10 all have Wisconsin plates. And so you think of just if you just speak their language, if you just speak money, uh, yeah. that sweet, sweet tax money they're looking for, that that would make enough sense in order to do some sort of bipartisan effort to do any form of legalization in Wisconsin. And they just can't. They just can't because they can't concede the point to the other. Right. I will give credit for those. What was it in Milwaukee? The Rastafarian church that was selling cannabis out of their, <laughs> out of their congregation. That was pretty, pretty sneaky, pretty shady, but it didn't work. But at least they tried to make effort to go and sell over there. But yeah. Yeah. I think that was out. in Madison. I think there was, was one in Madison, Madison as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, we took, we drove by one. Uh, there was one just down the road from our office. Right. And I was like, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely advertised. You know, that is, uh, that's uh, part of their religion. When it came out last year, we did. We I remember we were doing. We were trying to do a Facebook live stream, and we talked about the story. It was like, oh my god, that was hilarious. But it was a nice try. Wisconsin, you know, is it something where is it going to be on the ballot in twenty twenty four? Because right now, for Florida, where I'm at, we're waiting to see adult use. The petition's already been passed. They got past nine hundred thousand signatures. So I'm pretty sure right after Supreme Court is going to go ahead and hopefully stamp this up, and they're going to hit their, uh, you know. They'll, they'll put the stamp on it and say, okay, push it forward. Let it be on the ballot. Is Wisconsin going to get there? I don't think so. I don't think so. Like uh, right now. It's got to be before Texas though. I don't know. No, I was, oh, uh, no. who was I just joking with? Uh, um, <laughs> I think it was Marion. He was because he's from uh, Kansas. Yeah. So we yeah. were joking about how, uh, what state is going to be last? Is it going to be Wisconsin or Kansas? And it's a real, it's a real race to the bottom. But uh, it, um, just because, you know, 
don't discount the uh, stubborn nature of Wisconsin politicians. Um, You know, Wisconsin Republicans teased a little bit that they might consider uh, small medicinal use um, legislation. But then right after that, you know, uh, the um, I can't remember the person. I think it was Voss who was just like, yeah, we'll consider medicinal use, but we're no California. All right. Everyone calm down. We're a we're a nice Midwestern state and we're just going to look at therapeutic oh, use. God. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's incredibly frustrating. I like uh, one of the things I like to say about um, some good that prohibition has done in Wisconsin is it has done gangbusters for the billboard market in Wisconsin, because anytime you get close to the Illinois border, every billboard says oh, legal yeah. cannabis. 10 minutes away, even up north, because like the UP, Michigan sitting on top of uh, Wisconsin, you know, you go to a Packer game and already in Green Bay, you're starting to see like, hey, you're just 90 minutes away from legal cannabis. And wow. so uh, at least they're spending money on marketing. No, no, it's true. True. Let's go ahead and leave it there. So again, want to go in what plan, make for sure promote cannabis equipment news.com. And of course, you can go ahead and look for the podcast here. You'll see it up on the top of the page. And how many interviews have you done so far? If you got a count, I think we're on one twenty. Nice, ninety, ninety. I think no, we're coming up on a hundred. Sorry, we have two different podcasts. Let me see if I can get a hard number on that one. Um, just because... right now, because I was looking at what I have right now for blunt business. I was looking at. I'm currently going to get up to. Well, this will be what three thirty six or something like that. Like it's we've gone. Pretty good. Wow. And that was after a while. It was in 2020. We were doing three shows a week because I had such an influx of people that wanted to get on. So we took that influx of, you know, all these PR companies and all, you know, coming across with guests and all this and that. And then the grassroots marketing, forget about it. That's 660 some odd shows right there. That's just. Yeah. You've been, I mean, you've been going away. since like 2015, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible run. We're just, uh, we're at 110. So, uh, this Friday's episode will be number 111. So we've been going weekly for almost uh, two years now. Congratulations. That's a, that's good that you're really going to keep up and stay so consistent for all of this. So that's really wonderful. And, you. you know, obviously, I see the guest list that you have on a lot of respectable names we've had on ourselves. And like you mentioned, Sunday Seyfried, uh we actually had her on our plant profits program. And I did. She didn't mention about that ATM story. I don't believe. But we did get a good backstory on her and where she came from. So it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, she literally wrote the book. She uh, on the episode, uh, she I think it was a, they had a recent acquisition. It was the uh, Afra acquisition. I'm probably I'm put, probably butchering that. Right. But when they acquired the company, uh, the CEO said something like, "When I started this competitor, I had two things. Like I had your book and like his business plan. So you know, she literally wrote the book on cannabis finance." Wow. Amazing. So let's go and finish up again, website there. And then uh, anything else you want to just go ahead and make mention of that people should go when they go to cannabis or any other publications, uh, take a minute to go ahead and, you know, talk to our audience about what they should do to go ahead and stay in touch and keep in touch with what you're doing and what you're working on. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me on today, man. I really do appreciate it. Of course. Uh, any chance to just kind of sit down and talk about the industry. I mean, uh, I can do it for hours. So hopefully uh, if you're going to MJ biz, get a chance to sit down and uh, do it a little bit more, but um, cannabis equipment news. Uh, one thing that I would stress is that we do have a daily newsletter. Uh, it goes out to about 8,000 industry professionals. Um, 
a combination of new products, news. The podcast is in there. Um, we have a, a regular news video series in there as well. Um, so I would register for that on our website just so you can see kind of um, you can get a daily uh, a daily dose of the news that we're posting to the site every day. Um, and uh, just I'm interested to see every time that I talk to somebody else new within the industry, I'm interested to have them visit the website. Let me know what they think. Um, what we could increase our coverage um, and where we could do better just because, you know, we're recreated cannabis equipment news as a tool for the industry and the ways that we can improvement improve it um, are of great interest to me. So uh, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Again, David Manti, uh, who's editor in chief of cannabis equipment news.com and really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.